As leaders, it's so easy for us to get caught up in tasks, strategies, and our to-dos. But all of those things have no value if we don't know how to take care of the people we oversee. If strategies and tasks cause us to neglect our people, then no matter the results we're getting, they're worthless. So how do we lead at a high level, get incredible results, while still taking care of our people? Well, welcome to the Good Leader Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, ladies and gentlemen, from wherever and whenever you are listening to this. It could be a Monday morning and you're starting your week off with us here at the Good Leader Podcast. Could be midweek, hump day, you got a lot of stuff going on, but you need a little midweek adrenaline from Ange. Ange Adrenaline, I like that. Or closing out your week, looking forward to the next one, wherever you are. I'm glad that you stopped by and I'm glad that you are listening. We hope that today is meaningful to you. At the Good Leader Podcast, we are finishing up the cross-generational leadership series from 8-Track to Emoji. We have heard direct interviews from Gen Zers. We heard from the millennial of all millennials. We heard from a Gen Xer, the forgotten generation. Uh, honestly, full disclosure in the Good Leader podcast, we had it all mapped out and then we thought, we don't have a Gen Xer. We got to interview a Gen Xer. <laughs> we heard from our boomer. It was great. William McKinley Thompson III. So we've heard all those interviews. Now we're wrapping it all up. We're actually going to end where we began and circle back to Gen Z because that's the genesis of this whole talk. That as we are leaders, hopefully good leaders, you're working with people entering the workforce and every generation is slightly different, but every generation may be the same. We've discovered along this podcast that, hey, some of the things are because we're young, not because we're of a certain generation. Some things just come with age. We've also discovered that there are some distinctions with this generation. So much so, and we're going to reference a book all day long. We're actually going to interview our culture specialist, Olivia Mangum, who's also one of our summer internship directors, because she is working directly with an entire crop of young people, Gen Zers. She's a millennial, but she's working with people about a decade or more younger than her. And this book, Generation Z Unfiltered, is a phenomenal resource. I just want to give a complete shout out here, Anj, before we get into the meat of the episode. It's by Tim Elmore and Andrew mm-hmm. McPeak. The subline is called Facing Nine Hidden Challenges of the Most Anxious Population. Now, I know Anj is our resident podcast listener, book reader, and all-around learner. What do you think about this title? Have you read this book, by the way, Gen Z Unfiltered? I actually, I haven't read this one. I read a different Gen Z book about two years ago. It wasn't that one. Okay. The idea of this generation, Gen X, being the most anxious generation. Gen Z. Sorry, Gen Z. That's all right. Duh. Gen X. Who, who cares? <laughs> Gen X might be, and we actually forgot. <laughs> Nobody paid attention. Nobody realized it at the time. So now Gen Z gets the title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Gen Z, though, um, I, it actually rings very true to me, and it makes a lot of sense. But how you manage an anxious person like that, I think we'll talk about this a bit in the interview, so I'm looking forward to that. But I think that it just takes a whole different emotional skill set, you know, than just like the practical, oh, I want to pull this from a leadership book. It's it's a little more intuitive, a little more emotional. Boy, that may be it. I think emotional intelligence over the next decade may be the most prized leadership trait. Yeah. Uh, we do a lot of activities at Paradigm Shift, uh, prime sponsor of the Good Leader Podcast. <laughs> We do a lot of activities with Paradigm Shift where we rank qualities. We talk about what does it mean to be a leader. We, we look at individual organizations and their core values and what does good leadership here mean? Because that's in different contexts. It could be different things. But across the board, it seems like emotional intelligence is something that is skyrocketing. 
I would say 50 years ago, as certainly as we've talked about what is good leadership across the decades, emotional intelligence was not even on the radar really 50 years ago. I'd say 25 years ago, okay, this is cool. We're thinking about this term emotional intelligence. We've, we're developing quizzes. We're developing books and writing about it. But now it's almost to the point of mandatory, right? Yeah. It's almost to the point of like, if you're not thinking about your emotional intelligence or how you're interacting with people, then you're probably setting yourself up for failure. Right. That's a pretty good backdrop of the day. Okay, well, I want to I dive into the book a little bit because it says facing nine hidden challenges of the most anxious population. Okay, so I'm going to rattle off these challenges to you, Anj, and I want you to agree or disagree on a scale of one to five, all right? So in your experience, you are, you are barely a millennial, so you are, <laughs> you know, you might identify with some of these yourself, you know? You're, yeah. You, you're not just, you know, your your feet are not in the pool of Gen Z. I think you've gone for a lap or two. And <laughs> in your swimming in the Gen Z pool, I want you to agree or disagree, okay? And okay. this book's really cool. I can't recommend enough. Go out and get it and read it. If you're a manager of any sort, any organization, if you're a youth pastor, if you are a parent, and you, I would, this is a great read, okay? So here we go. Here are the nine challenge. Challenge number one, right. empowerment without wisdom empowerment without wisdom one to five what do you what do you agree do you agree like five this is i'm not gonna this is a challenge the challenges the the challenge they're facing is empowerment without wisdom now i might not read everyone but just for some context as kids today are empowered without resources thanks to smart devices but they may lack the maturity to wisely use that power common sense is being uncommon in our smart world the most efficient path from information to wisdom in any age is to learn from firsthand experience we must nudge them to explore a world beyond screens and theories. Maturation comes through application. That was I know hard. it's that's the, but empowerment without wisdom. Okay, I I'm going to be that person and I'm going to rank it right in the uh, three three that I disagree one through five right in the middle. That's fine. I think okay, great. I oh, that's fair. That's fair. And it's cool because he puts solutions in here too. So I could really tease the book or I could give some of the solutions. I'm only going to give some of them. <laughs> <laughs> their solution here is says leading with firsthand experiences. So it's fasting. It's a really good book. Okay. Challenge number two, stimulation without ownership, stimulation without ownership. Yeah. I would okay. more agree with that. Yeah. I mean, okay. 4.5. Honestly, this book is really good. The descriptions are great. He says adults have overprescribed students activities, but neglected to allow for ownership and self-direction. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going on. It's talking about kids spend more time in supervised activities, but they don't have any real ownership of like the failure, the navigation, talking to a coach, figuring things out on your own. So it's like you've got the stimulation, but you're not having to navigate the real world life. There's no ownership there. Parents yeah. are stepping in at an early age. I think that's pretty good, actually. Even just like apologize. I mean, I, yeah, I just feel like they're more likely, less likely to apologize, to really own it, to say they missed it. Yeah, I agree. Well, and I think so. And I think that that sounds like, oh, so they're an unapologetic generation. <laughs> actually, I don't, don't think they've been taught to apologize very well. Like it's, it's, right. it's not that they are non-sympathetic or unsympathetic people, but it's that they don't realize a need to take ownership, a need to take responsibility and apologize. Wait, is that my fault? 100% that's your fault. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, I like that. Okay. Challenge number three, privileges. This is tied to it without responsibility. Privileges without responsibility. Ooh, that's another tough one. Mm. 
three. Mm. You know, you know this hurt, this hits home with me because I'm a, I'm on a binge to say yeah. the entitlement's overrated. That people are not necessarily entitled. This one's kind of leaning against what I say. It says right. culture has ambushed kids, giving them a sense of entitlement to so many benefits that people once worked hard for and earned through responsible actions. They are growing up in a time when our population enjoys more perks than ever. In order to overcome this, we must incentivize them by giving them authentic and expanding responsibilities as they grow older. I will say this. How, how about I hit this one as a parent? Right. I yeah. think as a parent, I think I certainly give my kids way more than I was given. And Jen, my wife and I have had this conversation probably too much. I think it's like, make them earn something. You know, it's like, sure. I just want them to enjoy that experience or have that reward. So even if we set it up as a reward, it's like, well, let's move the goalposts so they actually succeed. And they didn't really read 20 books you know, but they're close. Let's go. Things like that. Like where yeah. it's like, let's go ahead and give them the perk. We're going to go to Disney world. No matter what you do, let's go to Disney world versus I remember so many times, like, like my, I was not deprived, but it was like, Hey, if you like specifically my Nintendo, my brother and I had to feed rabbits every week. We earned $2 a week <laughs> until we could pay for our Nintendo. Yep. And that was, but it was 100% earned. Like we had a chore and there was no, there was no fudging it. It was, yep. how much money do you have? Can we buy the Nintendo this week? Can you give me, hey, we're like two weeks away. Can we go ahead and buy it? Nope. You don't have the money. It's $99. You have $97. Right. Oh gosh. Anyway. All right, here we go. Number four. <laughs> That's a good point. That's pretty, I think as a parent, I can see that one. Like, wow, yeah. I think I need to give more responsibility. Yeah. I, our, our kids need more chores. Like, that's a, I, I don't give as nearly. My 11-year-old doesn't have nearly the amount of chores that my wife and I had growing up. Not even yeah. close, you know? Yeah. You got Liam doing the dishes yet? Seeing there working hard? <laughs> I was supposed to say, he's he's not doing much himself in his three three years of life. <laughs> it's time to pull some weight, Liam. Let's but, go. Yeah, I would like Step for it him up. to. <laughs> All right, here we go. Challenge number four, involvement without boundaries involvement without boundaries. What the heck does that mean? I don't know, but if you're just trying to say that they don't have boundaries, I say five. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Okay, we're hitting home with Anj on this one. Let's break down your opinion then. What do you think about that? Challenge number four, involved, what does that mean to you? I don't even remember what the first word was. I just remember you saying boundaries. So what was it? Involvement, involvement without boundaries? without boundaries. Oh, yeah. They are okay. like, I'm saying they, I mean, me included, I don't know why I keep saying it like that, but I, I think especially in the former job where I was working with a little bit of younger generation even more, I had probably more talks with them on boundaries, whether that was like personal, just, you know, we're talking about okay. the personal friendships, oh, you know, okay. do you say no literally ever, but then even work, like they would always be, like I said, all right, you know, I've told you before, we, we really relied on them for a lot of stuff. And so and it, it didn't work. The office didn't work without them. And so we would have to talk a lot about like, do you really not? I pay you 12 hours a week. This one task should take about two and it hasn't been done. Let's track your time. And almost yeah. all of it comes down to just, well, we're not saying no, we're not setting good boundaries. Mm. Um, so both professionally and personally and in family and in relationships, man, I have, I feel like I've had that talk across so many different borders with that okay. crew. So the boundaries talk is hitting home with on. She's seen it firsthand. 
I, yes. Honestly, that might be a good prescription. Just, I, I constantly want us to give you, the listener, some ideas from our experiences. We are certainly not the sage from the stage, but we're reading, we're growing, we're bringing on people, and we're all striving to be good leaders. I love this idea of boundaries just as a conversation piece, that if you are struggling with inner office communication, if you're struggling with why is this not done, if you're struggling with any anyone from any age, boundaries is a pretty good place to start, maybe especially with Gen Z because they're not really putting them anywhere in their life. And you're assuming they have some boundaries. You're assuming they're making some walls. You're assuming they're doing some healthy things to get their work done. And they're not. Yeah. Maybe you need to teach them how to do it or at least encourage it. All right, here yeah. we go. Number six, accessibility without accountability. Ooh, accessibility mm. without accountability. Yeah. I would totally agree I with think, that one. I think that's fair. Yeah. Just in the verbiage, it hits home with me. I'm just thinking of, I mean, from a moral sense, from an ethical sense, I just can't imagine living in a life with all of the access they have as a, yeah. as a preteen, as a teen going through like, you can pretty much get anything, anytime, anywhere. Like, like there were times growing up, if I wanted to get in trouble, I didn't know how to do it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, yeah. I'm at home without a car, without, you know what I'm saying? I'm thinking like 15 year old Jared Murr yeah. in rural Oklahoma. It's like, I don't have a car. I'm stuck in my house. Like I, it's almost impossible for me to get into something I shouldn't be getting into right now. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like totally. whatever that may, whether it's any sort of problematic activity or troublesome area of life, it was like, wow, I just don't have the accessibility to even pursue something like that. Now, right. everything is everywhere. I, so I agree with that one. All right, challenge number seven. This one is very high, like, mm, okay, that's kind of high level. I'm not even sure what it means, so I'll break it down a little bit. Fluidity without integrity. Fluidity without integrity. I don't know how that lands with you, but it confuses me a little bit. So it says kids live in a world of constant updates and upgrades. Nothing stays the same, even their own sense of identity. While change can be good, they often lack congruency. Without yep. a clear, unified sense of identity, they can lack a firm foundation and sense of security. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if he's even alluding to it, but I do think of how, how often, you know, now we're hearing like live by your truth, you know, your, I guess really your truth is like the most co consistent one I hear in that. But there, I think there's definitely something to like, it really has gotten so fluid that, you know, like which way is North? No yeah. one knows anymore. Like point. No. Right. Point me North. And, and well, everyone has their own opinion of what North is and it's their own opinion, you know? Well, that's a great, that's a great point. And I will say, this is not necessarily a Christian book, but I'm pretty sure Tim Elmore is a Christian author. If I'm not mistaken, he's the guy who wrote Habitudes. Are you familiar with Habitudes? That's like a oh, Christian yeah. devotional type series, yep. Habitudes. I think this is the same author. Um, so full disclosure to the wow, audience, yeah. I think this is a, it's not a Christian book, but this gentleman is writing from a Christian worldview. But I like that because like you're saying, there could be a, a moral sense here. But even just taking morals and ethics to the largest degree, like take take any sort of religious value off of it. I think you're right just in the workplace. What is ethical behavior? What is north? What even taking something of like, okay, taking time off, using work time, using work resources. That's fluidity without integrity. Like having the same sense of moral judgment, moral values. In our material in 8-Track 2 Emoji, we talk about common sense is not common, but yeah. it's not because of the word sense. It's not because this generation doesn't have sense. It's because common is a value statement. It's right. what should be common. What are the shared common values? And we don't have that as a world. Right. I mean, it, it, whether it's a religious background or just a moral, ethical background, if I just randomly take 100 people in the American workforce, I don't have the same value system as about 98 of them. 
Yeah. That we, since we have a different value system, then values are how we make decisions. And if we're making decisions based on different values, then we are going to make different decisions. So in any given scenario, like you just said, which way is north? Let's give a practical example. Like what is the best way to handle workplace resources? Someone might be stealing from the office every day and they're going, I'm not stealing. I mean, they give it to us. Well, that's (laughs) stealing from the office. No, you're stealing. Well, I'm not stealing time. Well, what are you doing? Well, I'm checking Facebook. Well, yeah, it's 10 a.m. Are you on a break? No, I'm not on a break. Uh, Okay. Looks like you should be working. Looks like you're clocked in on the job doing something and you're not doing something. Now, I will say that. Now, I don't know if this is a sign of youth or whatever, but I will say that (laughs) with young people, it's like, what you doing? Nothing. Well, no one told me to do something else. Well, okay. That's fluidity without integrity to me. (laughs) No one told me to, I'm sitting here doing- I could see that really irking you. (laughs) Oh man, it irks me to no end. Because I'm okay if it's break time. I mean, we build in breaks and if it's do nothing- This summer, I've never seen more breaks in such a culture given. I'm- I mean, man, I was like, wow, I've never been in a job that gives so many breaks. <laughs> exactly. So when we're not, boy, why are we just sitting around on a break? All right, let's let's move through these two more rapid fire. Challenge number eight, opportunity without resilience. Opportunity without resilience. I like the prescription here for this one. It just says the, the solution is learning to bounce back after hardship. Yeah. I, I, w- I like the solution on that one. Like learning to say, yeah, we failed, but let's move forward. Let's bounce back. Not... That- is so true. That's pretty true. And I agree with pretty much the whole thing on a five. Yeah. Okay. Challenge number nine, consumption without reflection. Consumption without reflection. Kids can be consumers of everything yet remain superficial since adults have not taught them to critically reflect on or apply what they consume. This is, I have the perfect example of why I agree with this. Five, five. Let me hear this. Five out of five. On Instagram, and I am guilty of this, you know, you repost, people are mm-hmm. really, you know, loving the quotes, you know, different me, especially various opinions that you might agree with, you know, so they'll re- the repost, super strong repost, yep. post repost. my story, whatever you call it. And I, in, in the last like few months have really gotten on this passion kick of like, did you just post that because it sounded good or do you actually agree with it? Like I've even had to ask myself that I'm like, you know what? That was like worded so well. And it is such a good one liner. I am actually totally unsure what he's even talking about. Mm. Or like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know that I could have really expanded upon that other than like how good the one liner sounded, you know? Yeah. And I just feel like I see that everywhere. Like if we, man, if it sounds good, if it rings true to us, it's about an eight second and I'm probably being too generous with that, but I feel like it's like an eight second reaction to repost, you know? That's a fantastic. How can you reflect on it? Something in eight seconds. Well, here's the thing. Here's his solution. Train them to be critical thinkers. Right. I, I really love, that's a, that's a really good point about the repost. I think it's an exaggeration of what I've experienced. You know, I, I share the story of I used to be into the surreal life. It was one of my guilty pleasures. It was a show on VH1 where they took these old B-list celebrities, put them in a house. Together. It was like the real life, but with these like over the top has been celebrities um, or like, you know, it's like Flava Flav. All right. So Flava Flav's yeah. in this house with like, Ralph Macchiano kind of thing. Like, it's like weird. Okay, I kind of know who that guy is. I loved the show and it was so stupid. But the production company at the end of it was called Mindless Entertainment. So after I sat there for an hour, the production company would come up and it was like this weird sound, you know, like, and it would say Mindless Entertainment. I was like, yep, that's it. I just for an hour. Sometimes, sometimes that's okay. And I know that you've experienced this out there. You're at the end of the day. I've experienced this. It's, you know, I just got the kids to bed. It's nine o'clock. My wife and I look at each other. And it's like, what do you want to do? I want to veg. I want to 
turn on I don't care what and I want to mindlessly I don't, totally. I don't want to think about it. I just yeah, want to, totally. I just want to sit here and veg out. That's totally cool. But that's mindfully choosing it. I think now I see young people, especially because I'm guilty of it. And I know if I'm guilty of it, who knows what people who are on there more than me, like you can just scroll for days and day and you're just scroll, like, honestly, to the point where it's like, what are you even, do? are you even not just the repost? Like you're saying, did you even think about what you're reposting? But how about, okay, pause. Tell me, like, describe what you just looked at for the last 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I don't know. Like, I think a lot of it's like, I don't know. I don't even really know what I just saw. Yeah. I can't even tell you one post. I couldn't even tell, like, I don't know. I'm just kind of scrolling. Like they, like I've watched, uh, this is, this is maybe weird, but I've watched them watch TikTok like from the side. And I'm like, (laughs) you're going so fast. I was on an airplane the other day. And when we landed, I land, the phone's back on. I check my text messages. I'm like, okay, I'm cool. So I'm sitting there waiting. I'm looking, there's a young man next to me. He's probably 20, give or take. First thing he went to was TikTok, by the way. So it's like, okay, so the first thing, the first thing you're doing when we land and we get off airplane mode is you got to check TikTok. But he is scrolling like 90 to nothing. Like he's watching these videos (laughs) and he's only watching like one second. I'm watching him and he'd be like, dink, 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 dink. And then he'd be like, he'd pop and like, okay, he's watching that one for like a three second count, dink. And he's on, and I'm like, what is he looking for? Like, what's, what's the goal? Like, if I just stop and say, wait, 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 what's the goal? Like, you're, lo- are you looking for something? Are you looking for a certain type? Are you, what are you looking for? There's no thinking involved. There's yeah. no critical thinking involved. So Definitely that's, not. that's it. Well, today we are going to dive into this a little bit more. We're going to continue our conversation with Anja. We're going to invite Olivia Mangum. We're going to talk a little bit more about this book, but our experiences working firsthand with Gen Z as we wrap this up and then on our final segment of the day we're going to share our three things our three things that cross generationally we have learned every generation has reiterated these in some way so if you're out there going what is the summary we're going to give it to you three things that you learn plus i'm going to share my guilty pleasure show that i'm listening to right now so excited about this discussion and full disclosure this is going to be much more discussion than interview i have olivia mangum with me she is my resident gen z expert she has never written any books she has no scholarly articles she just (laughs) hangs out with gen z a lot so olivia welcome to the show Thank you. Happy to be here, Jared. <laughs> now, yeah, full yeah, yeah. And also, thanks for, I'm definitely no expert. Well, and th- that's why I wanted to talk about it, though, because I think that all too often we do, hey, and we're actually going to refer to a great book by Tim Elmore called Generation Z Unfiltered, which I think you would recommend for leaders everywhere to read, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it's a good resource. But you and I are kind of everyday folks. We're, we have not researched this, but we are overseeing people who are younger than us. And like every single person that we've asked on the show, I want you to tell us how old you are. If you don't mind me asking, I don't want to be rude, but a little generation identification here. Uh, How old are you and what is your placement generationally? Generationally, I'm a millennial. I am 29. 20. You're smack in the middle. You I are. am smacked up and I was raised by boomers. So Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Raised by boomers, smack in the middle. You're much more millennial than Ange. Ange is going to join us. Uh she's going to jump in on this conversation too. <laughs> I I literally make fun of Ange so much. I'm like I'm like that would that is a Gen Z thing to say. <laughs> I swear. I, we're I just swear. we're learning I'm that I'm literally just right in the middle. 93. We're we're just this weird I'm, it's Shelby too. We've talked about this. This weird little middle 
All right. We're going to have some real talk today, Liv. Real talk. That's what this is about. <laughs> All right. We're taking off the we're taking off the gloves and we're just going to go toe to toe and we're going to share our opinions. Okay. I think you and I will agree on some things. I think we'll disagree on some things. You can even okay. call me out. You can going to call me out on some things because I want people to understand at the Good Leader Podcast, we recognize there are so many nuances to this. It's not just, hey, when you work with a boomer, act like this or hey, Gen X wants this. Hey, millennials are like this. There are so many levels to this and nuances. So we're trying to give a more holistic picture of people who are, I'm, I am a millennial technically, but for all accounts and purposes, we're, I'm probably more of a Gen X for our conversation. And you directly report to me. And then our summer interns are directly reporting to you. So you are overseeing yeah. a group of about 60 young adults from 18 to 24. Is that about right? And so mm-hmm. tell us your role there. Tell us a little bit about the internship and your role and who you're overseeing and what what your initial impression is of this young generation or upcoming generation entering the workforce. What is surprising? Gosh, uh, they're a lot smarter than you think they are. <laughs> Okay, so they're smarter. So that's a good thing. Okay, so that's yeah. a good surprise. What's a negative maybe surprise? So let's do, let's go kind of good bad. What is something you're like ah okay here's something that's kind of annoying. Maybe it's big. Maybe it's maybe it's gigantic. What is it? Maybe and maybe this is just because of the age, but um, I think they're smarter than we realize. But I think they're a little bit emotionally immature than I was oh, expecting. Okay, I think, I think I think that's a good way to. That's good. Ooh, okay. So they're smarter than you think they are. You mean like they're able to handle larger scale projects, get things done? Is that what you mean by smart? Like, let's define smart then. Is that what you mean? Like, I, gosh, I mean, smart, yeah, that, that, but also they're extremely resourceful. So even if they don't, if, even if I ask them to do something, they, if they don't know how to do it, they can and will figure out how to do it. And what's yes. the emotional immaturity then? Anja, you agree? Anja's like I shaking totally her head agree. adamantly here. All right, Anja's like yeah. in the choir, amening you the whole time, Olivia. <laughs> she's get, she's about to get out her handkerchief. Okay, that that makes me feel good because I, I didn't want to say that, but I was like, but I mean, that that is something that also surprised me too. She needs a cheerleader, you know? I'm just trying to egg her on. Well, isn't that some of, okay, now Olivia, isn't that some of, and once again, we're going to refer to this book called Generation Z Unfiltered by Tim Elmore. Isn't that what he talks about with a paradox? What's the paradox Yes, thing? yes. Okay, yeah. So the paradox, they were talking about how like they're independent yet dependent on their parents or they have it so good yet have it so difficult. They're trendy mm. yet traditional in practices. Their life is both authentic and artificial. Mm. Whoa, life being both authentic and artificial may be some of this emotional dissonance that we see uh, and not recognizing somebody. I I would, I'm having a hard time with this, ladies, and both of you maybe can help me with here. This is what I'm trying to get at. Some of these things I'm trying to decipher, is this a generational thing or is this a youth thing? Am I just getting old? Like some of the things that I see, and I feel like some people out there in a leadership position, if not many of us, it's like, well, there's nothing wrong with Gen Z. It's that you're getting old <laughs> and, and, and just, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, and yeah. some of this, like, cause my most annoying thing, I, I mean, you, I mean, you didn't ask, but I, I actually just created this entire podcast to answer that question. So, <laughs> so to share. What is it, Jared? What's your most annoying thing? Boy, I do not like people who do nothing. And I feel like, boy, they're really good at finding nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, if it's just, if we're going to look around and find nothing to do, they'll find it. If it's yeah, hidden somewhere, totally. they'll, 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 wait, what? 
What are you doing? Nothing. Well, okay. I, and that's, and, but that's where I think it's a little bit old, though. I, I, that's one where I would give the asterisk <laughs> of, like, I think that's an age thing. I think that, you know, when I was 20, I probably was really good at finding nothing to do also. Yeah, I would agree um, with that. But that's what I mean. I think sometimes, though, we give people a bad rap. We give young people a bad rap, generations a bad rap in those sorts of things. But that's, some, uh, that's something. So I'm trying to differentiate between this is a Jared-centric problem yeah. Or this is an age-centric problem, or this is a generation-centric problem. Like, what is this? And I think good leadership, if we really want to boil down, and we've talked about this a little bit at the top of the show, listening and listening to ourselves and being self-aware, it's probably the biggest takeaway that we're getting from all these conversations, to really understand, is this a generation thing? That's why I highly recommend this book, because it points out there's some of these paradoxes that are going on. So let's talk about this emotional maturity. How do you deal with that as a leader, Olivia? As a good leader, how do you handle, because I think you're, let's just, okay, this is where I'm saying real talk, all right? Is that what the kids say? Is real talk even still a thing? <laughs> it was a thing for a minute. Is it still? They, is it that over? I think I think it's uh, still relevant. Is it? Anj? Anj, you're the Gen Z. Uh, Do yeah. you use Anj, real talk? You're, you're more Gen Z. I'm not. I'm maybe more, but I feel like if I hear real talk, it feels like someone trying to force maybe something. <laughs> but Jared, well, I, hear, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear it. Real here's talk. What I, here's Give it what to I us, just, real talk. Here's what I've decided, Olivia. Anj isn't actually connected to Gen Z. She's just really good at being opinionated. And yeah. so she doesn't really know, but she's going to be like, <laughs> no, I will um, fully I agree like, with I, that. I, actually, that's, uh, that's not really. Gen- oh, okay. I'm believing her. All right. Real talk here. I think you're better at this than I am, but I think you're too soft, Olivia. You are so nice to these young people. And it's like, okay. Let me hear your hour and a half problem. Oh my gosh, okay. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. It's tough today. I know. Jared's wanting you guys to actually work. Okay. <laughs> this is All where right. Jared and I actually relate. We don't always relate, but I think we relate on this one. <laughs> okay. So I think there I think this is a divide. I think this is a divide in the workplace. I think that there are some people out there who may be like me. And sorry to all the interns out there with Paradigm Shift. I do love you. I care about you a lot. But sometimes you guys are a little much, you know, you're a little extra on the, um, little extra on the dramatization. You like that? Yeah. Uh, I saw that little little spice in there. Hey, you know what? Just a little something. Uh, okay. But it's real. There's something to this. How do you deal with this then, Olivia? Because I, I do know you too. And it's not like you're, you're not going out loving the drama, but Uh you're entertaining it somehow as good leaders. Do we need to do that as working with Gen Z? Is it something that you're like, if I'm out there trying to think of who I'm going to hire over the next three years. Is this something we should consider? Because it's connected to this paradoxical, you know, they're, they're authentic, transparent, yet inauthentic in some ways in this social media persona versus what's happening in real life. There's some emotional disconnect. I think as good leaders, we have to consider these things, right? Yeah. I mean, this is the most anxious generation that the world's ever seen. Okay. They have been exposed to mature content earlier than any other generation because of technology before okay. their brains were ready to, to hear it, to understand it, to learn it, they were, it was just thrown at them. And so I think because of that and because of social media and everything like that, we are dealing with, I mean, an anxiety epidemic in our youth. Um, and so because of that, I think I, you know, the drama, that kind of stuff. I mean, there's, there's kind of a mothering that has to happen to help them grow as people to a more emotional 
to, to catch up with their intellect, if that makes sense. Is this what the book, um, this is what the Gen Z unfiltered, he refers to it as the dawn of artificial maturity, which I think we in leadership positions often, especially if you're of a little older age, like I am, you might hear some of these things like they're the most anxious generation in history. What I think Tim Elmore and uh, Andrew something, um, Andrew McPeak, I want to give credit where credit's due here. They do a good job of putting better language to this and maybe reasons behind it. So if you're looking for a good resource and you want to be a good leader, I would highly encourage you reading this book because it gave me some better why when I read the book, because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, they're anxious. Great. Why? Like, wh- why? What? What? And I get it. And then, well, because of social media. Okay. Why? But in in this specifically, he talks about. And I'd love for you to talk about your experience in this, if you would agree with this firsthand. But you just said it: an overexposure to information far earlier than they're ready. But mm-hmm. he pairs that with underexposure to firsthand experiences. So, yeah. so kind of this, like you said, they've kind of been protected a little, maybe overprotected, and yeah. so because of that, they didn't experience real life. Until later, what's crazy to me is that I think physically they have been overprotected. Emotionally, mm, okay. they have not been overprotected because of technology and because of oh, okay. social media and things like that. So, so this is the generation that grew up. I mean, as a millennial, the things that 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 stand out to me, like big events, and September 11th, that was a big event that I remember. Yeah. I remember where I was when it happened. These are like the Columbine kids. Those are the things that they remember. And so school shootings is a huge deal in their life, which causes anxiety because school they go to every day. And so the parents are then wanting to create the safest environment possible for their kids in in real life. And so, how you know, like, don't hurt yourself. Don't go on the on the monkey bars. Mm-hmm. Don't fall off. I, I don't want you to hurt yourself. And so it's it's interesting. I mean, I grew up walking miles to go get food and come back by myself or with my brother, you know, it's like, and that is just completely unheard of nowadays. Yeah. It's it really, you really painted that picture. Like you grew up on the ranch or something. Um, you know, like I was was, sitting girl. (laughs) Yeah. We want everybody to know you (laughs) passed like a hundred restaurants to get to the one you wanted to. Absolutely. I was walking (laughs) to Sonic. Okay. I was going to Sonic to get a drink. If you're from the Midwest, you understand. Well, Columbine, you bring up a great point because I think what's interesting is even though what's what's interesting, and I haven't thought about this until you just said it, these young people experience the fallout from some of the events that millennials, so 9-11 and Columbine happened in 99. So yeah. they experienced like the fallout of like, let's, let's metal detectors in school. Okay, well, I right. was a, I was a senior when Columbine happened. So it's like shock and wow, this is happening. But I didn't experience the safety protocols. Sure. I experienced 9-11, but I know life like before. For all the precaution. And so these are these are young people now who have experienced this. And I think that this paradox, and that's almost the word of the day, that there's this paradoxical idea that I think we're only looking at one side of the coin. If you have an exaggerated idea of Gen Z, it's probably because you're looking at one side of the coin. Mm. You're seeing the emotional immaturity without seeing this intelligence or this I, this resourcefulness. And yeah. I think that when you see both, it's this clearer picture. So what do we do about this? Let's assume if we're working out there with Gen Z and the emotional aspect, we could dive into all day. And this yeah. dawn of, I, I love that phrase, dawn of artificial maturity. In some ways, it's very real, but in some ways, it's very artificial. And in some ways, I think it's almost bolstered like like my interpretation, tell me if I'm wrong about this, ladies, and you could say you totally disagree. Because Anj, before this, you worked in higher education at a college, working with Gen Z a lot. 
And I think that I think that there are so many things that they think they're ready for that I'm going, I don't think you are. Like, but there's this idea because it's not entitlement. I'm I am really against the word entitlement mm-hmm. because that is wanting something without working for it or thinking you're owed something. I don't think it's entitlement. And we talked about this on a previous episode that we think it's impatience. But with that impatience, I think that it's like, I don't think that you're socially or emotionally ready for that level of leadership or that opportunity or that responsibility. But it's almost like, I feel like, you know, they're talking to me and and this sounds egotistical a little bit. Um, I, I don't mean it egotistically. So let me just talk it out. Like I'll have lunch with them and they're like, well, Jared, you're doing this. I think I could do that too. And I'm like, okay, all right. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, tell me what you want to do. Well, I really want to do what you're doing. Oh, okay, cool. You mean like run up, you want to start your own business? Yeah, yeah. Like I think a company like you have, you know, we've got about a hundred employees. I could see myself doing that in the next couple of years. I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to be egotistical. And I'm, I, I really am not saying there's anything special, but I'm like, I don't think you're ready to run this organization today. Is that some of the emotional maturity or am I misreading that? This, you know, like a misperception of what it takes to connect with people and to understand people and understand themselves. Kind of a lack of self-awareness in some ways. Am I wrong? I could be way off. What do you think? Honestly, my experience, even though Olivia and I have both kind of worked in overseeing that age range, my experience was very different than than I think what you guys in the last few years have done here at Paradigm Shift with them solely for the reason that we didn't have a choice. Like oh, we, okay. we really functioned as a, as a nonprofit out of a university. I had me and only two other, what we would call full-time people who were younger than me as well. Not by not, we were all close in age, but they were younger than me. And we had to basically be running this full nonprofit with 40 mission trips and 15 outreaches. And I mean, stuff that three people can't do. And okay. so I just had to learn really early on. And thankfully, I got a lot of wisdom from people who were doing it before me, people who led me when I was that college student running everything. But it was kind of forced. Like I had to be really on top of my game so that they would be really on top of theirs. I think I learned the most in that role. My lowest standard will always be their highest. So the more I was mm. late to meetings, the more they were late to meetings, the less prepared I was in a ter- in terms of like a timeline, the less prepared they were. And I mean, I think for the first year, there was definitely frustration, but not a lot of options. I couldn't just, oh, well, man, they're going to mess that up, but I'll let them do it. And then Olivia, I'll let you fix it. We didn't have that. It was like, you have got to do it and you've got to do it right because this team has to go out with that, that med kit next week. And it's just, it has to be right. I can't double check everything. And so truly just, I think that really helped. I don't know if this is generational or I don't know if this was just kind of the leadership that we learned in that time, but I really did notice like the the lowest expectations I set for myself are the highest expectations they set of me. And it just required way more intentional leadership. And I even mean that emotionally. So I think they knew for me, they could always come to us when we, when they did need some kind of emotional like output. We had so many like College students deal with so much. I have so much. They are some of my favorite people on the planet is college students. Honestly, they are so stressed. They have so much pressure. They always knew our doors were open, but we did set a standard of kind of emotional intelligence too. That was like, these are the hours that you work. These are the hours and the times, any other time, you know, that we're available. And maybe the two will merge sometimes, 
But it, it was hard because I really had to find that in and of myself. Like I would have rather been down there talking to them 24-7 all the time about all the little things they wanted to do. But they had to see modeled from us these are work times. And then we had to also be intentional to provide an outlet to say like, these are the times where like, tell me what's in your life. Let's, let's schedule this meeting to talk about that specific thing. And honestly, that just takes so much time, like management, especially over an age range like that, it was time. And I had to delegate out almost everything that was on my plate just to keep enough time to make sure I was managing in a way that kind of set that tone. I don't know if that answered your question, but that was my experience. And, and again, a little different than what we do here, but it was forced. So we just had to figure it out with them and had to figure out how to set those expectations well and really clear, like really clear. Well, I think that's helpful. Olivia, what have you experienced as far as best practices in working with people who are younger than you or specifically Gen Z here? Um, I think as, as a, a manager or a supervisor role over them, they work really well if you don't see yourself as a God, but you see yourself as a guide. Um, and that was taken out of the Gen Z unfiltered book. I remember him saying that they will support what they help create. And so if you give them the vision, like, Hey, here's the Mm -hmm. vision. Here's what we want to accomplish. They're like, I'm all on board. Like I will use what I am good at to help you guys accomplish that goal. And I've seen that a lot in our committees this summer that we've had. Um, and it's just been awesome. Those are really profound statements to me, Olivia. I really appreciate that reference. You said, I'm just going to repeat those. Don't be a God, but a guide. And then they'll support what they help create. That one I have found to be ridiculously true. If I could co-sign anything here, it'd be that (laughs) statement. You know, can confirm, can confirm, (laughs) say less, Olivia. (laughs) They will support what they help create. So I guess I'm kind of, I'm processing my own question because I will admit there are times that the emotional immaturity or I see that and, and, you know, even like I I have had those questions where I'm like, really, you think that you're prepared to, you know, lead this group or do this Mm -hmm. thing? And like I said, it's not egotistical. It's just like, I I wasn't ready when I was 22. There's no way. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I'm 40 and I'm still not equipped. You know, I still, we're, we all deal with imposter syndrome to some degree to figure out how this works. But it's, it's once again, paradoxical because there's like these elements of confidence, but then also Mm. like simultaneously, you're a wreck (laughs) with insecurity. (laughs) I know what I'm saying. I mean, the whole paradox thing (laughs) makes a lot of sense because it's like in one breath, I go, wow, that's a bold statement there, you know, to think, yeah, I'm going to do this thing. I'm like, well, okay. I like the confidence. But then there's, I'm like, okay, you're, you're okay. You're, you're okay. That's, that's, you didn't mess up that badly. That's okay. You know, you're not, I, I guess this insecurity and confidence paradox. But maybe because of that, when when you do give them opportunities and as leaders, as managers, help them create, let them be a part of the decision process. And I will say that that's something that I feel like we have done a good job of at Paradigm Shift, of giving actual real work. Our internship is not getting coffee. And that's on purpose. We do take more risk. Does that create more work sometimes for us on the back end? Yes, sometimes it does. Does it cause us some frustration sometimes? Yes, but I think good leadership is trusting people. Good leadership is figuring out if there are areas of of mistrust, where are they? And let's overcome those. So I really love that best practice. Let's dive into this. And I'm going to ask either of you a question. Uh, You can take it any direction. 
But then can you think of a specific instance and maybe looking through this lens of like on, you said that my lowest standard will always be their highest. Once again, they will support what they help create. Olivia, anything that if you were, if you were to talk with someone who is in a position that they're frustrated in their work environment saying, we just hired this person fresh out of college, they're 22, three, four, and I'm having the hardest time with them. Whatever that might be, just a generic statement, I'm having so much trouble. What would be your advice to say, well, maybe think of this, not even knowing the specifics, but just saying, consider this. Here's a tip or an idea. Yeah. I would say growth doesn't happen through lecture, but through experience. Mm-hmm. So whatever whatever you want them to do, I would encourage them to put their intern or whoever it is in a position that is, it's safe to fail. Okay. I like that. It's safe to fail. Create an environment where it's okay. This is not fatal. It's safe to fail and give them some of the experience. Yeah. Anj, what's your advice? I would say two things. I would say, I think they're more motivated the more that they believe they're heard. And yeah. I, I really think that is something of this generation. Like, will we use every idea? Jared, you, I mean, not even interns, our staff, you, us as staff members to you. Do you implement every idea that we just like say offhand all the time? No, definitely not. But I think you are really good at at listening to them. And I at least know, as opposed to, I think, friends I have who work in other organizations, like, Jared will hear me out. I don't know that it will always get executed and put in place. But there is an opportunity for you to value me enough as an employee, regardless of my age, to say, like, you have an idea to contribute, and I'll hear that. And so I think that that is one thing that maybe that person is maybe having a hard, tr- hard time with them, or it's troubling, or whatever it is, because they don't feel heard. My other thing I would say is I really think that just younger generations, I'm not even saying Gen Z for this one, but I just think there's some kind of value to them understanding a growth track that I think they need the continual vision that like where you are is not always where you'll be. This is another thing you're actually really good at. Jared is like, okay, I know you're doing this job now. We'll continue to grow. We'll continue to evolve. I mean, I want to know what you're interested in. What things do you like? I think it just gives them a hope and an understanding that okay, I might not be sold out to this job description right now, but I am so sold out to the mission. I'm so sold yeah, out to this company. I'm good. so sold out to that leader. Like I, I'm not sure about the description or if I fit this or not, but I want to work hard enough that this description will at least fulfill the need that this mission has to accomplish because I believe in that so much. And hopefully that gets me down the road as well into a, a role where I feel like I can best contribute even more. But even if I can't, I'm sold out to that mission and I'm sold out to that leader. Isn't that, isn't that what not being a God, but a guide is that, that willingness to hear ideas. I I think when I hear phrases like that, uh, like from the book, be, don't be a God, but a guide. I'm like, well, that sounds really good. I immediately love it. And then as I start thinking, I'm like, what does that mean? Like what? (laughs) Okay. That's a really good tweet, but what do I do with that? (laughs) But, But is that, so is that an application? Would you agree with that? If my interpretation is what you're saying, like, I, I try, like if someone brings up a good idea, I'm also trying not to be godlike in that, you know, I don't shun it. I don't try to shut it down immediately or create this environment where it's like, well, only Jared's ideas are going to happen. But if I'm listening to an idea and I know something that maybe you don't, or maybe you have an experience, I'm like, I'm, okay, let me guide that idea. What have you thought about this? Let me show you different ways. But, but all the time hearing the ideas, because you're right. Not everybody has an idea that we're going to use today but it can spur on other ideas. It is a good idea. Not now, like giving the why I know that's my interpretation of that. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a good example. 
Okay, you keep on bringing up great points, ladies. So we're just going to keep chatting for a minute. If I'm, once again, if I'm out there then, and what Anj just said, I'm sold out to the leader, or I'm sold out to the mission. You all have had more than one job, and you are still, I know this is about you all talking about Gen Z, but let's face it, you're both young. You're younger than me. You know, you all are at that 30 precipice. And what creates the buy-in? What creates the buy-in for you? Or maybe maybe you could see what what has created it for people that are younger than you. But how do you get, what's an idea of how you get to where Anj just described? To where I might not be sold out to this job description right now, but boy, I'm committed to the vision of this organization or this person or, or how do you get to that? I think Gen Z, and maybe this answers your question, Gen Z really, really values self-expression. So I think... I mean, just kind of like what Andre was saying. I mean, if we can elevate them and and find out like what they're good at, what they're passionate about, I think. I mean, and I think this is cross generational. It, mm-hmm. it, yeah. Anyone yeah. that feels seen and known and loved, you know, it's like like they are going to perform light years better than anyone who is in a job that they don't feel recognized, they don't feel appreciated. Like, I just think the, the attention given to each person individually is something that would set them apart. Ange, final thoughts. Repetition is key. Honestly, I mean, I, I also think this is a very authentic generation, our age and below and even above, I think really appreciate authenticity and they can spot out the leader who at the all staff meeting is giving, you know, the, the lecture and all the things they're thankful for. And then in the one-on-one meetings are putting people down, not actually empowering, micromanaging, being the control freak, not putting people where they're strong, not taking the time to find their strengths. I mean, you feel that as a young, like, it's kind of like what you guys said earlier today. So what, regardless, whatever generation it is, um, I really think the more that you repeat the culture that you want to see, the more that culture is seen, the more it's felt and people can feel when that's not authentic. So that would be maybe my summary of a lot of different things I would want to say to that. But I just think whatever you're repeating is key and that's even for the negative. So even the negative things you're repeating, that's what they're remembering. All right, Ange, that was good. Now what? What do we do with all this information? And this is a mega good now what? We're not going to go for very long, but this is like four weeks worth of good now what? We talked we talk with our interns. We spoke with a millennial, the Gen Xer, the boomer. And now we talked about this Gen Z unfiltered book with Olivia today. We got all kinds of information. I want to know, I've got my three big takeaways. I don't know if you've got some big takeaways or do you just want to spitball off of mine? What do you, you want to do here? There's so many good things we talked about. And overall, there might be too many to choose from, but I think I think I, if anything, I can kind of sub okay. off of your yeah. three. You know, probably more. There, there's just so many things we could take away. I've yeah. tried to summarize. I've tried to summarize all the interviews to three things cross generational events. So our point is here: cross generational leadership. Yeah, we heard this in some form or fashion from every single generation. And the first one is learn, learn. Yeah, be a learner. I actually think Kevin's interview. I loved. His perspective, probably most of all, that he talked about always learning when we're working with people of different generations. I can learn something from everyone, I think was one of his statements. Yep. I, I'm really pulling from memory it here. Was, but yeah. it was he was really big on that. And I thought that was really cool as one of our more established generations. You know, you, you kind of think of that like people like, oh, be a learner and you want people to learn and grow. I always want to be learning. But man, both Ken and Kevin 
our Gen X and our Boomer, respectively, were really keen on learning. And I will say this, knowing them personally, I think they do a great job navigating working with younger people. And it's probably because they have that attitude. Oh, absolutely. Honestly, not to pick on Kevin, but I, I was really impressed by this yesterday. He uh, wanted to talk about our branding. And so for anybody who doesn't know, I pretend to be over our marketing for Paradigm Shift, essentially, is one of the other things I do. <laughs> it's a big pretend job. <laughs> so Kevin and I, when I first started months ago, um, almost a year ago now, I, I didn't know this. Well, I actually could have probably guessed this, but we were trying to do a couple, I don't know what it was, ebooks for Jared or corporate stuff for Jared. Who knows what it was? And I was just driving home this like, we have got, our brand has to stay consistent. Like we can't have purple and then have red and then have green. And we just like, I'm driving it home, right? As if I care and as if I went to school for this stuff, I didn't. But I, for some you reason, I You didn't go cared. to school for it, but you care. Don't I, act like you don't I care. Didn't, you really I did do care, care, but I the don't know why. The reason you pretend to, to be the marketer is because you care a lot. <laughs> so don't act like you don't care over there, sister. I, I cared. I definitely care, but I, I don't know why. Because <laughs> I didn't go to school for this. <laughs> anyway, so we would go back and forth. And Kevin, yesterday, so now it's like almost a year later, he asked me if we can have a branding meeting. And I was like, I have no idea what that means for sure. Yeah, like, let's do it. <laughs> and essentially, he's like, I was so proud of him, honestly. He was, he's wanting to do some stuff with our LinkedIn, you know, it was like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. cool. Honestly, hey, LinkedIn, you run it. I think it's great. But he's like, I just want to stay really consistent with our branding. You know, I don't want you, you were just talking so much about this eight months ago or six months ago. And I was like, oh my gosh, Anj, like, let's just send it, you know, like it doesn't have to be, it can yeah. be purple. Like, let's just do it. He's like, oh, I didn't understand. He's like, I have, I have read so much about this and it is such an important, uh, important piece to the business model. You know, I want to make sure I'm really hitting our branding on this LinkedIn stuff. I honestly didn't even care about the LinkedIn stuff, but I was like, wow, you were like, not just, you really do practice what you preach. Like I didn't even know that you were reading up on branding stuff. You probably know more than I do now, but he was yeah, just he's like, he's actually so... sent me a couple books. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it really stuck out to me because I was like, you were not just obviously saying that for an audience or for a podcast, but it was, I didn't even know he was doing that stuff, but it was a very clear like story and picture really for me of just, there are so many ways that you can show people you're in their corner, but also just learn. He, he did not care that I'm, I don't know, maybe 20 years younger than him and just yeah. learned a huge, I don't know, I was all passionate about branding now. That's really cool. And that's a key. A good leadership principle here is if you want to stay young, keep learning. Always be learning. I mean, if it's you're so as good. long as you're learning, you're not aging. No. So maybe that's it. Oh, I like that one. I mean, you can put that. Let's put that on the scribe wall. You know, as long as long as you're learning, you're not aging. And honestly, that's fair because I do not think of Kevin as like, oh, this older guy who works with us. Yeah, ever. Grandpa yeah. Kevin is yeah, just a nickname. <laughs> Other than when you call him Grandpa Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So number two. So the number one is learn. Actually, number two, you just exemplified it with this story. Listen. Number two yep. is listen over and over again. And this one really hit home. Every generation, we ask, what is good leadership to you? And we ask, what are you looking for in the workplace? Every single generation Every single said, one of them. Listen. Yep. They want leaders who listen. They want to be heard. They want to be valued. They want their ideas to at least be, even if they're not used. And I think you even talked about this. You know, like mm-hmm. every idea is not going to be used, but I want to be heard, right? Mm-hmm. That's it. So what's a, yep. what is the best listening practice that maybe you've inferred from anyone else? So if someone's driving down the road right now and they're managing a team of 25 people and they're like, okay, listen, what the heck does that mean? I don't have time. I'm busy. <laughs> I'm swamped. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
like listen. I actually had this question the other day. I was working with a corporate group and someone, uh, it was the general manager of this organization. So he has eight department heads that are reporting to him. And then he's got everyone in the organization. So about a hundred people for this particular branch reporting to him. It was interesting because he put off this vibe like he didn't care. Like, I think that was his defense mechanism to not mm-hmm. listen. It yeah. was like, hey, we know that I'm not even going to use his name. I'll call him George. Um, we know that George just doesn't care. But he's kind of set off that vibe on purpose because the the way he talked in this training, I was like, I was like, George, you 100% care. I yeah. know you care. But he's like, his thing was, if I can't listen to your story for a half hour, I don't want to give you one minute. And I was mm-hmm. like, I think you're, I don't think that's what listen means. Yeah. Listen does not have to mean hear every word that someone's wanting to say give them an out because he's like because then i'd just be listening all day to every everybody's situation and everybody's i do get that i do get that and if you're driving down the road you might go yeah listen i can't just stop and say okay tell me what's going on with you so what have you interpreted on or maybe you've experienced this with someone else positive or negative here what is listen then what's a practical strategy for listen is this a whole podcast i would say it is a whole podcast but i'll just say one statement for it uh to not make us go too long here i would say an unbiased brainstorm is, I think, a really kind of, sometimes it's fast, sometimes it's not, but it is a collaborative way to listen to everyone's ideas. And depending on the kind of leader you are, the hardest thing you'll ever do, because if I'm ever trying to do those collaborative brainstorm things, I try very hard. I write every single idea on the board. So I'm yeah. not just saying like, oh, no idea is a bad idea, but I'm like, okay, I'm not going to write that one on the board. Like, yeah. you know, late summer, every idea, every time I've done it, Every idea gets on the board. We're not here to, to, you know, go back and forth on it, strategize how we're going to piece it out from the beginning. It is just this big idea. It's some of my favorite things that I've done. I get, I've like, I'm like, first of all, that person has great ideas. I didn't know they had that ideation, you know, kind of like that. So they have awesome ideas. It also gives me really good ideas. I mean, I kind of feed off of other people's thoughts, opinions, ideas. And so... I think the only thing that makes that work, though, is, well, giving people a heads up that it's happening. <laughs> like a little oh, okay. bit of an advance notice. Okay, okay. Honestly. That's a good tip. Um, knowing. I think I've also learned people brainstorm differently. So I would send the questions out ahead of time. I noticed a ton more feedback from people, especially like introverts or just kind of internal thinkers, you know, not the first to speak up. Man, they spoke up way more when I would do that ahead of time. And then lastly, like as a leader, you you just shut up. And I really think that is a good way for the people all around you to really believe like, okay, he's taking an hour out of his time to do this. She's believing that we obviously have something to contribute here. Uh, let's, you know, let's make that worthwhile. And I, I think doing it once a month is health, healthy and good. That's really good. That's a great practical strategy because number one was learn. Number two is listen. Sub topic there or sub idea, unbiased brainstorm time. And finally, number three, from all generations, this is what we've learned at the Good Leader Podcast. Give people the opportunity to succeed. Mm-hmm. Ken Thompson actually said this the best, but everybody, everybody's reiterated it in different ways. Ken was talking about it as a boomer, and I was asking, how do you work with someone younger than you? And he said, you have to give people the opportunity to succeed. Yeah. If they are your, if they are younger and you see an idea and you're like, I don't know about this, or they're doing something, you're like, I'm not sure if this is going to work. Give them the opportunity to succeed. Then yeah. I, I think that could go for anyone. Don't just assume failure. You know, give people the opportunity to succeed. If you're young and you think you know all the answers, maybe you don't. Maybe give people the opportunity to succeed and go, well, maybe I do think my way. Because I, I, I was like this when I was young. I thought I was right about everything. I wasn't, <laughs> but I thought I was. Yeah. You know, and I was looking at every boss I ever had and I was like, oh, why are they doing it like this? Why are they doing it like this? 
give them an opportunity to succeed. And I will say I had to eat crow many times where I thought this is dumb, it's not gonna work. But backing off, giving an opportunity to succeed, and then going, wow, that was a good idea. Okay, that actually worked. I didn't think that would land as well as it did. Yep. I love that one. I thought that was phenomenal because I think it works cross-generationally. I think it works if you are a supervisor, give your team an opportunity to succeed. There's another one. If I am sitting here as the 40-year-old middle-aged manager looking at the 25-year-old and I'm going, I'm not going to give you this task because I think you're going to fail. Don't assume failure. Let them have an opportunity to succeed. Give them a chance because that reiterates the listen. It reiterates what young people specifically want in a workplace. They want to feel valued. They want meaningful work. You cannot assume failure. So those are my three takeaways on cross-generational leadership. Learn. Always be learning. You can learn something new every day. Learn something from everyone. Two, listen. And three, give people the opportunity to succeed. Yeah. That's really good stuff. It is good stuff. I actually want to remind the audience of my one of my favorite things you said, and I think it ties up all, I don't know, five of these episodes. You said it early on, but I think we can end it well here. Turn division into connection. And that goes cross-generationally. It goes managerially. It goes just, I mean, parenting, marriage, just... If you, I think as a leader, can find a way to turn division into connection in all ways, shapes, and forms, and again, that's probably a whole separate podcast, um, I think that's one of the biggest takeaways that we're finding in every single one of these episodes as well. So it's been good stuff. I love it. I love it. I love it. My guilty pleasure right now, I said I used to watch The Surreal Life. So for those of you paying attention as we go into break, it's Virgin River. Virgin River. I'm right now all in on Virgin River Netflix. If you're out there, if you know, you know, as the kids would say, if you know, you know. Ange, do you know? I, I do not know. But okay, I just finished out. The Good Place, which is, I, I'm assuming, about an equal No, totally waste different. Of time. What, oh, no. Okay. Oh, well, uh, come on. It's a total waste of time. <laughs> I'll share my Virgin River thoughts next time. So if you're out there watching Virgin River, I'll give my updates sometime in the near future on one of these upcoming podcasts. I'm sure it'll come up. But uh, I've got I've got a cool interpretation for it, Ange. You're going to love it. I'm not going to give it now. I'm, I'm going to tease. I mean, I, I don't even next. know what it's about. Yeah, I'm going well, to do my research. I'll explain you. it, but I have I found out the description. It's not a total time waster. It's not the surreal life, but it's close. And it's because I have a one-line description of Virgin River on Netflix that I think everyone, it, it actually goes with generation. It's like, wow, this is this generation's blank. <gasps> That's what I got. I'm like, Virgin River is this generation's blank. That's I, what I'm mean, I can't wait to hear it. All right, we'll talk about it later. Talk about it in future episodes. Hey, All right. if you're listening, I hope that you're excited about this generation's blank, the Virgin River cliffhanger that I'm giving you, which is very appropriate, by the way, for Virgin River to end on a cliffhanger. But wherever you are, whomever you are, whatever generation you identify with, go out there and be a good leader. <laughs>